As many of you know, before I came here as your pastor, I worked just down the road at the Greenwich Center for Hope and Renewal. And when I was there doing couples counseling, I had a couple come into my office several years ago, and they sat across from me, and I could tell that they were in great distress. Their circumstances seemed insurmountable, they were living in separate places, and their differences seemed irreconcilable. And I looked at their faces, and they looked lost. I was feeling for them that despair and hopelessness. I really had trouble having hope for their relationship. I was losing some faith in myself as a therapist in that first session sitting across from them. And I was wondering, where is God in their situation? We all know that relationships, this side of heaven, run into trouble. We miss each other, we hurt each other, we are not heard in the ways we hope to be heard, and in those times, we find ourselves lost in the woods with no roadmap and with no functional GPS system. Welcome to the wilderness. What we find is very interesting. Something radical happens in this text for today and speaks to that very condition. We find in this story in Hosea that God leads us into the wilderness and through the wilderness to show us his love and to restore us to himself. And if you don't know the story about Hosea, I'd love to just set the context for you. Hosea was a prophet of God and he was called by God for a very special task. And that was to marry a woman named Gomer. Now, Gomer didn't have the best reputation in town. She was an adulterous woman, and God said, I want you to marry her because not only is she not faithful before, she's not going to be faithful in marriage. And you're going to marry her as a symbol and a picture to my people Israel that they are not living faithfully to me. That's a tough order, isn't it? I don't know that I wanted to be a prophet in the old covenant. It was tough stuff there. Um, but nonetheless, he did it, and he married this woman. He was faithful to her. What I want to point out to you is, what does God do as we look at our chapter um, 2, verse 14 today? He's doing something very special. This is God's words to the people of Israel in their unfaithfulness. Verse 14 says, Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness. That word allure can also be translated woo her. So God is saying, I will find her, I will woo her, and I will speak tenderly to her. Notice where God is bringing her to do this, to a wilderness this is not God's decision to go to a Caribbean island and let's kind of remember our romantic beginnings. And, you know, it's not that that God has in mind to, re re to restore relationship. It's going into the wilderness. We wander. We forsake our first love, but God finds us and woos us. Now, you may or may not be a camper and like to go into the wilderness, so you may say to me, I really don't connect with wilderness. But let me remind you, wilderness can be much bigger than what we might think it is. Wilderness can be a job loss. 
It can be a diagnosis, standing graveside, an addiction, graduate school, middle school. Any change we go through in life is an opportunity where wilderness can find us. Certainly things like divorce or infertility where things seem completely out of control, where we're not knowing what is up and what is down and we're disoriented. Those make sense, right, as times of wilderness. So I ask you to think about what have been your wilderness experiences. Maybe you're in a wilderness today. But we may ask, doesn't God want to bless us? And the answer is yes, and God has a purpose for the wilderness. Because in that place, God can remove temptation from us. God removes the markers of the old life, and we're given a new space to discover or to recover something new with God. You think of treatment centers or detention homes or prisons. There's someplace else as a place to clear things out and receive that new identity. So what we find in the wilderness is a beautiful thing. God brings us there to speak tenderly to us. But let's look in verse 15 through 17 as to what he has in mind for us in the wilderness. And there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of Achor a door of hope. And there she shall answer as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. And in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband, and no longer will you call me my Baal. For I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth, and they shall be remembered by name no more. So what we're told is there's this picture of restoration. I will give her her vineyards. I will restore her. But also, I will lead her through a valley of Achor. That word is translated trouble or confusion. I will lead her through a valley of trouble or confusion. And what do you find when you get through that process? The door, or other translations say, the gateway of hope. So God takes us on this journey from wilderness to valley to a gateway of hope. And notice this redefinition of relationship. No longer will you call me my Baal. Baals were the distant creations that we worshipped that were not God. No longer will you call me this distant master is another translation for Baal in that text. But now you will call me my husband. God is calling us to this covenant relationship as a spouse, a relationship of love and of mutuality. God is faithful. I want to share with you a picture I have from years ago, and it'll be coming up on the screen behind me. Um, the picture is a print that my spiritual director, who I had out in Seattle many years ago, gave to me. She was a former nun and theology professor, and she was retiring from her work. So we were ending our relationship at that season. But we had journeyed together for many years. And she gave me this print, which I have kept with me and I love. I want to just point out a few things about the print to you. I know it may be a little hard to read, but I'll explain what you're seeing on the screen. Up at the top, in the darkness, in sort of that dark valley-looking mountainous range, you see the words, I will lead you into the wilderness. 
That's the dark backdrop. And then in the foreground, in light, you see the words, and there I will speak to your heart. So out of darkness, that message comes. That message of light comes. And on the left, we see Jesus on the cross in his own wilderness with grief represented in front of him. And across the words, I will speak to your heart, we see this bird. And what is that bird? It's a phoenix rising up out of the ashes. So out of death, there is the opportunity for resurrection, for new life to take wing, for hope to return in the places that once were places of death. This was a perfect print for me. And because of this text, this, this scripture that we're looking at today, particularly verse 14, have become life words for me. Now the reason she gave this print to me was because she had wandered with me through a number of my wilderness experiences. And she had been one to help me see the traces of God, to hear God's tender whisper throughout those difficult periods. There had been the eight years of infertility that finally amounted into a joyous, wonderful occasion of my daughter Elise being born and coming into our lives, but then back into a valley for a season of postpartum depression. There were also work challenges, and then where we were ending our time was the soon-to-be ending of my marriage in that season. But because of the journey we had been on together, she allowed me to believe that hope can come and new life can come out of the ashes. And that was hope that led me eventually to meeting Mark 10 years ago and beginning our journey together. So God does, out of darkness, bring light. Out of death, bring hope. No matter what the valleys have been in the past, and we all know there are valleys coming in the future, the one continuity throughout our story is that God is faithful. Remember the couple I mentioned to you as we started the sermon. I want to go back and give you a, here's what happened. By a miracle of God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, these two people in such different places were able to turn towards each other to find and repair their relationship. So much so that they described a year later that they'd never been more in love than after they had been through the wilderness together. God puts things back together. And you may ask, what's required to repair and restore our relationship with God and with others? We know that God provided that door in the wilderness once we walked through it with him. He's bringing us home. Well, I want to define repair for you a little bit. I had an insight writing this sermon that I'd never seen before, and that is that the same dynamics that we worked on repair in relationships with people are very similar to what we do in confession. In confession, we bring who we are, the trueness, the true reality of our soul to God, and we confess it, and we tell God, this is what I'm longing to be different in my life. And that's exactly what works with human relationships, too. That's what this couple did as they were recovering their relationship. They said, this is what's really true about what's going on in the inside of my heart and life. I'll be vulnerable with you even though I don't trust you. That's really courageous and risky. And this is what I long for to be different. Can we long for it together? So the good news for us, we can take those courageous steps with God and others because God has done 
all the work for us already to bring us back home to him. God's sacrificial love restores us to himself. And we see this especially in verses 19 through 20. It says, and I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. Notice what those words are describing, that the covenant, that those marriage vows are being restored by God to us. Three times in that text we hear, I will betroth you to me. God's taking care of all those things that we need in the marriage vow. He is re-extending that grace to us. He leads us through the wilderness. He betroths us again to himself. And he restores us the way we were meant to be. The reality is that you and I, we are a lot like Gomer, Hosea's wife. We often are committing spiritual adultery. We're not always faithful to our first love. We strive after lesser gods, whether they're busyness or addiction or striving. We often forget the God that has called us to himself. But here's the good news for today. Our God loves us with abandon. Even in the midst of that, God is still wooing your heart and tenderly calling you back to himself. And in response, we have the opportunity to do what we would do with any other important relationship in our life, to nurture it by spending time with God. That may be in prayer, that may be being in a place that you sense God's holiness. It may be reading God's love letter to you. It may be gathering in fellowship with, as Christian community to come together to worship and praise him. It may be serving him as we serve others. It's also investing emotional energy. That's paying attention to someone. That's, that's listening and looking for places God is showing up in your life. The good news is Jesus went all the way to the cross to show us God's love. He died to repair our relationship with God. It's in light of that that each of us is invited to come home to God. Revelation talks about the ultimate wedding feast that will take place in heaven between Christ and his bride, the church, all of us. The ultimate consummation of time is the celebration of that love relationship that we see even here in the text. God is our husband and we are God's beloved. So we can because of our faithfulness and his love for us, come back to the one who is faithful to us now and forever. Amen.